Thanks for listening to the Freshly Squeezed podcast. This week, we're jumping back into our conversation with Coach Willie Spears. Last week, we left off talking about the importance of setting goals and the intentionality of parenting. This episode, we dive into some more personal stories from Willie and get to hear about some of the creative projects that he's working on. We hope you enjoy this episode. Like when did when did that all your intentionality become a thing? Was it always a thing, or did Be, you before I, they was here? Okay, my dad, my dad was in prison for six years. I never heard my dad use profanity ever. My mom and dad didn't graduate high school. My dad got his GED in prison. They were in the streets, is what the old church used to call it. I grew up in. When I was born, I've heard all these stories. When I was born, my dad changed his life. He stopped selling drugs. He stopped being in the streets. He would walk to church with me in his arm, diapers in his sports coat. He had one suit, diapers in a bottle. He just knew he needs to be in church. He needs to be in church. He needs to be in church. My dad said when he was incarcerated, he knew the Bible better than the minister did. The minister would be preaching to them. And he would get the verses mixed up. And my dad said, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's the wrong verse. That's an Isaiah. You're wrong. You know, that's not an Obadiah. So, my dad didn't respect people who played church. He just, it was, it was funny to him because he, he was raised in the church. So he knew the church. So he raised me that way. And then I noticed I was different from my friends. I didn't have, I wasn't perfect, but I didn't have the same hangups as they had. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the same issues that they had. And I, I was like, why is that? It's because I was raised. So my dad kept certain things from me. He wouldn't allow me to see him and my mom argue. He wouldn't allow me to watch certain things on television. He wouldn't allow me to stay at certain relatives' houses if they did this, this, and this. And so I grew up with a different mindset. And I was like, I'm going to be that way when I'm a father. Now, I didn't want to get married, to be honest. I didn't think a woman, I could find a woman that would allow me to raise children the way I wanted to raise them. And I didn't want to go back and forth with her about why. That's still a problem I have today. Yeah. One of my problems, one reason I've had so many jobs is I know how to do this and I really don't buy your opinion unless you've done this before. Yeah. And that's a flaw. Like I don't want to talk to you about how to coach a football team. I've been coaching the year several times. I've won championships. I don't want your opinion just because you're the principal. Yeah. Have you ever played? Well, no. Have you ever coached? Well, no. What? Why are you suggesting what we should do on third down? <laughs> I don't say that, but in my mind, I'm like, why am I in this meeting right now? Like, So that's hard for me. It's yeah. very difficult. I respect, I don't value everybody's opinion. So I knew in raising a child, I didn't want to hear, baby, we shouldn't be that hard on them. Baby, do they, do they have to go to church all the time? Like, I didn't even want to have a conversation. Like, I know what I'm doing. And if it doesn't work, I'm not going to regret doing it the way I thought would work. So, but then I fell in love with Tanika. And I'm like, and then her, her grandmother was a preacher, was a pastor. Mm-hmm. So I knew, okay, so she got an upbringing. Then her, her great-grandmother was a patriarch in our church. So I was like, mm. oh, yeah. So we, uh, <laughs> at least it's not going to be foreign to her, you know. And she was a believer. And a matter of fact, the first card she ever wrote me was a, a mother should leave a, 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 a mother and father and cleave to a husband. You know, so I'm like, okay. So Tanika has given me the leverage and the, 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 the blessing of doing what I feel is best with them. I mean, I used to spank them hard. I spanked KD so hard one time. I cried all night. Like, I, it just hurt me to have to spank him like that. But I just knew a boy, especially a minority, African-American boy, cannot push the limits. When someone tells you to do something, you have to do it. You yeah. can't play in the gray area. It's too dangerous. So with that being said, she trusts me. And on the flip side of that, they're very sick. 
Now, you wouldn't know it because God has healed them. But God has healed them through medicine and doctors. My wife knows all the medicine. I was at a hospital. I was at a uh, clinic with my son yesterday. Mm. And they asked, are you allergic to anything? I can't remember. He remembers. Do you take any medication? My wife knows all. I can't even pronounce them. Yeah. She, she, matter of fact, today on my phone, it was a reminder that Katie needs to get his shot. It says it right there. Uh, Methotrexate Tuesday. That means Katie needs to get a shot in the arm on Tuesday. Hmm. All right, she gives him a shot. So I believe both parents are the best way because I'm the disciplinarian and she disciplines him as well. We both love on him. I'm a little more outgoing than my wife is, but my wife is so organized and strategic. Without her, it really be dead because my daughter has to give herself insulin every day. My wife has a monitor app on her phone that tells her if her glucose is high or low or sugar intake. So it's a perfect fit. You know, yeah. for what God had in store. Yeah. And she allows me, she she trusts me. Say, Ted don't need to be wearing makeup yet. Ted don't need. Like the other night, Katie said, Dad, mom want me to ask you, can I order this game? It has a 16 rating or whatever it was. She she doesn't say yes or no. Ask your dad. She trusts that he has that department. Yeah. And that has helped us. You know, now they may rob a bank tomorrow, but I believe that January meeting has helped guide them to make better decisions. Yeah. That's awesome. Sorry that's for a really long cool. answer. No, no. I, honestly, that's no, something that's awesome. that I, I want to do with, with Ella. And I've been thinking. I've honestly, I've thought of parenting for a long time yeah. before I even had Ella. I've I've been wanting to be a, a good parent because I knew how how important that was to to my dad and seeing that in Corey as a father in law, and uh, hearing hearing how Taylor was raised and it's just like it's so important. To me, and that's that's one of the reasons I love youth ministry too. Is that that age they're forming so much of who they are, and when you have a say, when you have that uh, equity in their life to be able to say like, "Hey, here's something that is good that'll benefit your life," and be able to have the authority to also like help them along and set deadlines and and encourage them in something, even though it's hard, that is so rewarding. Like I cannot wait. Like I love this stage with Ella, but I can't wait to like talk to her and hear hear her. Her thoughts on things like it's so I, i'm so excited for that it's um, the greatest call yeah being a yeah. parent when you see an issue with a person rewind it it goes back to parenting yeah i really believe that yeah when you see good or bad the parent sets them up for failure or success and a lot of time it's not verbal a lot of times it's just the way you live your life like one reason i take all the taylor's friends to church is because many of them will never come across a black person there are no black people in their neighborhood. There are no black people in their church. Not many in their school. So their idea of what black men are, they get from TV or social media, TikTok. But they get to be around Taylor's dad, who's a real person, who loves the Lord, who's silly and quirky and doesn't take himself too serious and loves his daughter. In Taylor's book, she says, many of her white friends are shocked when she says, my dad is coming to pick me up. Because they just automatically assume that she doesn't have a dad. Hmm. So I want to change that narrative and make yeah. it normal. But Taylor needs to look for, hopefully a better man than me, but needs to look for a guy who was raised by a guy so he mm -hmm. knows what it looks like to be a dad and a yeah. father, yeah. to be vulnerable, to say, I'm sorry, to say, I love you. You know, and so it's it's parenting, man. It's, it's, a, it's a good, you know, everybody can't have children. I got a friend right now, I'm praying for him and his wife to be able to conceive. So for God to choose us, and, I, and they may even adopt, but it's the greatest calling on your life, being her father. Yeah. And like I said earlier, you, you can't you can't miss on that. You can't yeah. mess up. And part of that, and I'll be quiet, is <laughs> picking the right person. Yeah. 
A girl said this at school one day. She was talking bad about her father. She didn't know I knew her father. We were in Pensacola. I played Little League football with her father in Panama City. She had no idea I knew who her father was. She was talking about, hey, he's nothing. He doesn't do anything for her. That he was, she called him a sperm donor. She said he's not a real man. Mm. But almost repeating out a thing what her mom has told her. And, I, and she, she said, I'm right in a coach. And I said, well, your father should be in your life. But who picked your father? Your mom did. So she's a bad picker. So if you're going to blame, you shouldn't blame anybody, but if you're going to blame somebody, <laughs> blame the one who picked him. Because he didn't decide to be your father before he was picked to be your father. She carries the baby. So she made a decision. I want this guy to be the father of my child. So I tell Taylor, who are you going to pick? I said, I picked good, Tay. Look at your mom. I'm just being real. I, I did a good job of picking your mom. And I think your mom did a good job. Who are you going to pick to be the father of your dad? I mean, of yeah. your children. Yeah. So you get to pick. And some people are bad pickers. And they want to blame their partner. They, they showed me another side of themselves. I got their representative. No, you didn't do enough research. You <laughs> thumped the cantaloupe before you get in. You kicked the tire before you buy the car. You just thought he was cute. And you're going to marry? You're going to lay with him because he's cute? Yeah. Like, we're trying to <laughs> have to raise a child. Cute yeah. is not a prerequisite for being a good parent. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so I just think intentionality is the key to making the best informed decision. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like as far as a lot of people don't have the luxury of having great parents no doubt. and talking about goals and, and setting setting goals for ourselves. A lot of people don't believe they have what it takes to achieve something. I can't tell you how many kids and people don't believe in themselves, probably because they hear it from their parents, probably because they hear it from other people. I know for sure when you go to school, there's always going to be downgrading and, and pushing other people aside because they want to lift their self, themselves up. Um, so how do we, uh, I guess this is a, another question for you. How do we kind of get past that mindset or what, how would you encourage somebody who's, who's struggling with that and not actually like, is not encouraged to set goals or doesn't even think they can achieve something with their life? I, I think we all admire someone. If you're an athlete, if you're a basketball player, you probably like LeBron James. Okay. If you're a baseball player, some baseball guy you like. If you're a musician, you like uh, whoever, Trisha Yearwood or Carrie Underwood, whoever. So study them. All these documentaries on YouTube, go back and look. And they've had failure after failure after failure. They weren't cute enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't. And, and you can say, you know what? I was, that's me. So they're successful in their area. It doesn't mean everybody has to be a superstar. But who, whoever is successful set goals and had several failures. So one thing we don't embrace in goal setting is accountability. It's so important. Yeah. Somebody to keep you on track and realizing failure is part of the equation. Yeah. You're going to mess up. Taylor's going to get her heart broken. It's going to happen. Hopefully it's not major, but some guy or some school she wants to go to or some team she wants to make, it's not going to happen. But we got to use that failure to get to the next step in our life. And so I believe the answer to that question is accountability and embracing failure, but researching people who are successful and realize they've been right where you are. And then realize high school is so small of a window of your life that we think it's everything when we're in high school. Right. Yeah. He made fun of my shirt. I didn't have those shoes. Uh, my, my haircut's ugly. I have acne. Like, it's, it's four years. 
In those four years, unfortunately, for some people, they're 55 years old and they're still struggling from what somebody said to them yeah. in that four-year bracket. So they have to realize that this is not forever. I always say this. It's for a season. It's for a season. Like, it's not, nothing lasts forever. It's all for a season. So squeeze, freshly squeeze, squeeze <laughs> everything you can out of that season. Yeah. Because Ella, right? Yeah. She won't be that little forever. Yeah. It's a season. You won't always be at Destiny Worship Center. Yeah. It's a season. You won't always be a volunteer. It's a season. So squeeze everything you can out of that season mm. so you don't look back and say, man, I wish I would have spent more time. Because yeah. I know this. Taylor's going to be gone. She want to study abroad. So she's going to be gone. So that's why I take her to school every morning. That's why I pick her up every day. That's why I drive her kids to Pier Park. That's why. Because that's the most important in this season. Now, in three years, this season will be over. I may go back to coaching college ball. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I won't see her every day. Yeah. That's, that's me. You love your parents. You don't see them every day. Right. So squeeze everything you can out of the season you're in because that season is going to be over. And when, if something's bad, don't fret. It's just a season. The acting is going to go away. I promise. You know, I tell Katie, it's going to go away, buddy. I was, they used to call me connect the dots. I had so many pimples <laughs> on my face, you know, so, but it's going to, it's a season. It's a season. I said, that black hair you have, it's going to be gray like mine one day. It's just a season. Enjoy the season. You know, so I try to look at things that when it helps me get to the next point of my life. Yeah. No, that's that's good advice. I think a lot of times people think when they fail, especially, it, I guess my dad used failures as well as like a learning experience, experience as well. Like learning, like, okay, what did you learn from that? How can you do better next time? And I think a lot of people's mentality is that failing is bad and you should, you should ignore it. Or or soak in it like and just be like, okay, you're a failure. Right. Or lie to yourself and say it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Or like, or, or blame it on other people. Yeah, they don't and like so, me. Or, or no, you failed. No, it's not <laughs> the teacher yeah. doesn't care. You missed eight out of ten. It wasn't the teacher. Yeah. The teacher doesn't like me. No, no, you don't like you because you didn't study. But we no. blame we I can't stand it, even if it's partially true. It may be partially true. You know, I've worked for bosses who didn't like sports. They just didn't. And I, and I used to joke, I used to, one principal, I used to say, I think she dated a guy that was an athlete and he cheated on her. <laughs> and so that's why she, she just hates sports. Like you can't be a high school principal and don't like sports. Yeah. But I said, I told our staff, we're not going to use that as an excuse. We're just going to be above reproach. We're going to outwork everybody. We're going to show early and stay late. Like when you blame other people, then you don't embrace the failure. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. <laughs> and it's hard and it's hard to keep it's not an obvious thing that comes to my even if you know that, it's hard to keep that mindset going. Because <laughs> it hurts. Sure. It does. It hurts yeah. to say I wasn't good enough, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. Humility is, again. is such a ongoing yeah. uh, ongoing thing you have to keep reminding yourself of. It's yeah. super, super hard sometimes. So you just mentioned um how you lead your staff or how you've led your staff um in different schools and in different work environments. How do you view peer encouragement and accountability? And what are some, maybe some experiences where you were held accountable or people you've looked up to in certain situations? Oh, that's good. I have a, a lot of examples. I think peer influence is important. One thing we do with our players is we get the smartest kid and we have them tutor the other kids. We think they'll listen more to the student even though than the teacher. Uh, and so I think peer tutoring is important. Um, recently, a friend of mine named Corey Fuller, he's a football coach, 
and they came over here and they won a big game in Panama City. He's over near Tallahassee, and they like beat a team bad. He was kind of smiling at halftime. It was when like fifty points at halftime. Yeah, smiling. <laughs> and I said, he said, "What you think?" I said, "Y'all pretty good." Yeah, I told you, man. I told you. And uh, this guy has an amazing resume. Played ten years in the NFL. Oh wow! The first ever national championship at Florida State. He was a starter on that team. I mean, it's a tremendous resume. Mm-hmm. His best friend is super famous. Uh, Deion Sanders is his best friend. They talk oh, every wow. day. Yeah, so so he, he has every right to not be humble. And so he but he respects my opinion. And he's a peer, Brooks. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, what do you think? I said, well, that's good, but you guys need to get ready for this other team. You got to have to play them in six weeks. Like, that's the team you need to prepare for. Instead of celebrating this excitement, he's good at not letting his team get too hyped. Yeah. He always put his thumb on them. He said, you know what? Great idea. Why don't you help us with that? So I started breaking down film, analyzing data to try to help them get ready for this big game in six weeks. Fast forward, I spent some time with them the week of that game, and they were winning the game the whole game. They were the big underdog. This team had played for the state championship the year before. They've been in the state championship game over 15 times. They've won over half the time. The school he's at, they were having the best season in school history. So it was a big David and Goliath story. They were winning the whole game. They ended up losing in overtime. Had a field goal blocked. I mean, it was like a wow. movie almost. My point is, he's a peer, and he thought, even though you're not coaching right now, because my season was over, right. you why don't you help me? So he was humble enough to say, I need help, you know, and I do that all the time. You know, whenever a job comes open, whenever an opportunity comes, I call people. What should I say? What should I do? What should I wear? What should I stay away from? You know, mm-hmm. what should I not mention? You know, and so, and then when hiring, Brooks, when, when hiring my people, we, I use four C's, um, competent, character, chemistry, and calling. So I want to make sure that you're competent in whatever we're hiring for you for. A guy came in one time and said, I got a friend. I think he'll be great for your staff. I said, well, where's he coached at? Well, he's never coached before. I'm like, what? Where did he play? We never really played before. I said, well, why would he be great? Because he's a Christian. He's a deacon at his church. I said, well, he needs to be the chaplain. He doesn't need to be a coach. We need a guy that actually knows how to coach the sport, not a guy that <laughs> reads Bible verses. You know, but the guy, he had never really met a Christian coach. So he was like, you're a Christian. He's a Christian. Y'all should work together. Well, yeah. not if he can't do the job. Yeah. You know, if I'm not good at making coffee, but I'm a Christian, you don't want me to make your coffee. <laughs> Let's do a Bible study. I don't want you to make my coffee. Let that guy make my coffee, whatever his beliefs are. Yeah. I want him to make my coffee. So they must be competent. <laughs> there must be chemistry. You must get along. You got to spend so much time together. And then it needs to be a calling. You need to know that I'm called to this type of work, whether right. it's working with youth or whatever. And then, of course, you want somebody with high character. And so I have a lot of those things in place so they help navigate my decision making. You know, uh, some call them guardrails. Hmm. There's certain things I'm just not going to do. Yeah. They're not necessarily a sin or bad, but I'm just not going to do those things. And that that helps me when it comes to using my peers of influence, using my peers to help me. And when I have been placed in a position where someone's asking me for advice, because people will take your advice and then when they fail, they'll call you back and say, I did what you said. I lost my job. Yeah. Now what? You know, so <laughs> you have to be careful with that. But I think that's important. Uh, Brooks, I think it's important to have a positive support system, to have people in your camp that don't tolerate you, but celebrate you, that tell you you're great. You're awesome. You can do it. I thought you said you want to lose 10 pounds. Why are you drinking soda? I thought you said that you were going to read the Bible this year. All I see you doing is playing a video game. I mean, so somebody that's not going to be a yes man, but somebody that's going to push you and hold you accountable. We all need those people in our life, I believe. 
Yeah. And, and everybody needs it and we crave it. Yeah. Like we really crave encouragement. We all do. We all want a life coach. And, and true encouragement. It's crazy how many kids notice when someone's being fake. They may even like, they may uh, soak in the love from somebody, but then somehow I, I've seen it and I've experienced it. Somehow I really appreciate when someone may not just say like, that was amazing, but like, hey, like that was really good. Here's some things you could work on. And for some, and even though they may have said something like, hey, this wasn't perfect. I like, I, I, like you said, I craved it. And I think kids even re- like, even kids realize that and they crave that they crave discipline, maybe because that's, that's what, how God made them. Right. Um, even though they may even like retaliate, their heart needs it, you know, and we need it. And it's, and it's like, when you don't have a relationship like that in your life, like I, I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, I, I would really love, I was praying about it last night actually just, I'm like, I don't know where or how, but I need, I need more like, um, I need more like accountability that is coming from the outside that I don't have to like ask for. Like they're asking me, right? you know what I mean? Like it's not where I could just, if I decide to, to hide from and I can, and no one's going to notice, I would love somebody just to like, like, how are you doing? Yeah. Why, why are you, you know, skimping on this? Like, it makes it all better. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I told a teacher, <clears throat> I was speaking to some teachers once and they were talking about class size and they were upset that they had 35 to 40 students in their class. And they, and I was, they, I told them the model, the smaller, the better. If you have a personal trainer that's is one-on-one with you, you can't skip a set. You can't skip a rep. You can't. <laughs> but if it's 40 of you guys in a personal training class, you can skip a couple of reps. No one will know. Yeah. You just, you don't want, so it's an, it's important to pray and seek that person. I told you at church, I had a guy like that yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I don't have that. And I have a few guys that a little bit, but I, I had a guy every Wednesday morning we would meet, we would pray, we would talk. He was older than I was and he had so much wisdom. And I just, I didn't realize, I took it for granted at a time. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I needed that. Yeah. Like I was closer to God then than I am now. And not that I'm robbing banks now, but like I was so intentional about every conversation and everything I did. And I, I just had these, my antennas up. I'm here to serve Christ. I'm here to serve Christ. Because he was, because I knew Wednesday he was going to ask me, how was your week? Yeah. What are you struggling with? It was true accountability. And a lot of us aren't vulnerable enough to allow anybody to get in our space to ask those tough questions because mm-hmm. we don't truly want to grow. We want to stay on the surface and trick everybody. And the one that really matters, you can't trick, you know? So it's tough, man, but it's beautiful when you have it. Yeah, it really is. What What are like some of your guiding, when you're, when you're creating goals for yourself and you're trying to like, maybe you don't have that person to keep you accountable, but you're still doing the things that you know you should do. What are some of those like guiding, um, principles that that make your goals you're saying like for your kids like you're you are uh you know you're katie spears this is what it looks like to be a part of this family and that's your guiding uh principle when you set goals what what are your personal but certain things i just have non-negotiables like i'm never ever for me i'm just not going to use profanity i'm just not because no. for me, if I use it a little bit, when I get angry, it's going to come out. 
Yeah. So I just don't want it in the in the container. I don't I don't want to have to because then I keep getting poured into it and it overflows. It comes out. So I have certain things like that. Like I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm just not. I don't think it's bad. I don't even think it's a sin necessarily. But for me, I'm not going to start going down that road. So it's the same with my diet. There's certain I'm not going to eat fried chicken two days in a row. I'm not. I'm not going to eat <laughs> five Snicker bars. I used to eat five in a day when I was little. I love Snicker bars. But now my teeth are like, buddy, we're going to fall out. You better stop. So there's certain things I have in my life that I never really shared that I'm just not going to do. You know, if, if, if a girl is attractive, I've been married 17 years. If a girl is attractive and we work together and we have similar personalities, I'm not going to be around her. She'll never know why. I just don't ever, I don't want the devil to win. I don't want to give him one sliver. Yeah. You know, I just don't, let's go to lunch. No, no. <laughs> it's just, right. It's just lunch. Yeah. Now it's just lunch, but Satan has a plan. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have certain things that I'm just not, and then in my health, there's certain, I know I can't, I, I would drink a milkshake from Chick-fil-A every day <laughs> if it wouldn't affect my health. I just would, yeah. you know, I would never cook. I just eat out every day, but financially. So in my, when I get get money, I'm going to put ten percent and I'm forgiving to my church or to a to a um, charity, and then I'm going to give ten percent to myself. So I have certain principles that are non-negotiable. Then on the way to that, I have a lot of things that I'm not great at. So I want to exercise every day. Well, when I'm not coaching, it's easy. I ran on the beach yesterday. I've already ran this morning and lifted weights this morning. So it's easier. But those things are to help me in the long run because I'm thinking about what I want my funeral to look like. So I want my funeral to go not happen tomorrow. So I got to do certain things to make sure. So I put my seatbelt on because I get in a wreck. Yeah. I don't, so, so I do those things. And then the biggest thing with me, I know we talked about this before, I want to win at home. Yeah. I don't want to win at church and not win at home. I don't want to win at school and not win at home. So somebody is a great musician, Dolly Parton, one of the greatest of all time. She has all these Grammys, all these awards. So she's winning in her field. Is she winning at home? I like Dolly Parton. I like a lot of her documentaries. I think she's winning at home, but only her and her husband knows that. Yeah. I don't want to be successful outside of home and not be successful in home. So my goals are set up so I can win at home. Yeah. And that's, the, the, I would say the, the way that children and family spell love is T-I-N-E spending time with them. Mm, yeah. So Tanika wants me to lay there while she watch another Hallmark Christmas movie, which is <laughs> cheesier than cheesy. We know how it's going to end. They knew each other back in the day. They met up. He's in town for two weeks. He got a big promotion. He's not going to take the promotion. He's going to stay here with you. He can't believe y'all fell in love again. He shouldn't have married that other girl. Oh, okay, it's over. Now we're going to start another one. <laughs> it's like a marathon of Christmas movies, and she's into him like she can't take her eyes off, and I'm just laying there. Oh, this is great, honey. <laughs> but to her, the time yeah. is better than a hug. It's better than a kiss. Just be in the same room. So I want to win at home. So the goals are set up in order to do that. Yeah. You know, and it's not always easy. And I mean, so those they have those things in place to kind of help me. And then I have friends who love their wives and brag about family. And so what happens is I can't go to one of my friends and say, Man, did you see the girl at Walmart? Ooh, woo! I can't do that. He gonna yeah. say, "Do do do, Tanika, you know we're looking at the girl at Walmart." Like my <laughs> friends aren't gonna let me slip. Yeah, my mm-hmm. friends are gonna let me call and say, "Man, 
I got fired from my job. I'm getting wasted tonight. Hey, bro, let's go to the club. I don't have a friend that would do that. Yeah. I don't have one. I don't have a friend that I could say, hey, listen, on my job, they got all this money and they trusted me with it, but it's cash. I could take about $300 a day. Nobody would know. I don't have one friend to say, that's a great idea, Willie. Steal the money. I don't. Yeah. I don't have one friend I say, man, I ain't been to church in two months. I'm just sick of it. I don't have one friend that would say, man, me either. Let's stop going to church. Like all of my friends are going to want me to be the best version of myself. Hmm. That's that's who they are. Yeah. If, if I gain 40 pounds, my friends will say, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> You're fat. Like, like yeah. tell Chick-fil-A, <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, so I, I part of it too is having friends that hold you accountable that aren't yes men. I had a friend tell me once, he said, your problem is when you don't get your way, you take your ball and go home. That was hard to hear. That, that, that sucked. Mm-hmm. But he was right. When I don't get my way, I, I'd write a letter of resignation. I mean, and only from being only child, I got a million excuses. But in our family, we say, excuses, no, we don't make those. So we're not going to use an excuse. I need to do better. My wife told me once, and, and I've been blessed to be a pretty good coach. Not the greatest, but pretty good. And we lost a game. And my wife knows me. I'm on a laptop all night. How do we lose? What do we need to do better? What do we need to do? We're going to work on this. I break down, make all these analysis, all these scouting report packets. I go all in. It's all, I don't sleep all night, all night, all night, all night till I fall asleep at the table. I wake up, wipe my face, get back on it. My wife walked by me one day. And she said, I wish you would work this hard on us. That hurt. I just I took us for granted. No, we're not in trouble, but we're not thriving. We're just better surviving. I take you for granted. You're going to be here. I'm not hitting you. I'm not cheating on you. I'm, I'm paying a light bill, a water bill, a mortgage. What else you want? I want the best of you. I want what you give the football team. Yeah. They get all of you. I want all of you. I say that to say having those people in your life that's going to hold you to the fire and remind you of what you say you believe in is important. Yeah. And it's also important to have someone you can let your hair down with, that you're not perfect around. That yeah. you can admit your faults and they not judge you, but love you. Not they won't allow you to keep walking in that, but you slip up, you fall, you mess up. They're gonna love you through that. And they're gonna ask you to seek forgiveness. But we need to stop that and get back on track. Right. You know, stop eating at Chick-fil-A, stop lying, stop whatever, and let's get back on track. And so it's it's a journey, it's never perfect, but the goal is every day is to honor him with the way we live our life. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so good. I think uh, a a thing to keep in mind, and we've actually talked about this with Josh Steins a little bit too, but it's it's making what you believe and what you do with your life connect. Yeah. Because a lot of people that are unsatisfied with their life, I think are, uh, and I can I can relate to this in a lot of areas in my own life, is because I believe a certain way, I think I should be doing something but I'm not doing it well, or I'm not doing it at all. And so I think that's a good place to start when you're like figuring out what needs to change. Because I, I sat down last night, I was, I was out here uh, in the office a really long time. I worked all day yesterday and, and I was, yeah, probably o- over, over, overworked yesterday. And I sat down on the couch with Taylor and Emerson was over, or my sister-in-law. And I was like, man, I need to set some priorities because I feel like I don't know exactly how I need to do this, but I'm spending way too much time on certain things. And I feel like 
you know, home, home life and spending time with you. I feel like I'm lacking that. And <laughs> I got to look, she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. A- amen, brother. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that idea of connecting what you believe and what you say you believe to what you actually do, that's, that's the difficult part. Right. But then I think life will be so much more fulfilling. Like I love the seasons. I know when I'm in the season of thriving because I'm being intentional about it. I know I'm doing it. It doesn't happen by accident. Right. Like I know, and I took steps to get there to where I'm, I'm doing what I know I should be doing because I made an effort to do it. And uh, I, I think that's really what like goals are, are there for. You take a, an inventory of your life. You understand what is important to you and what should be important to you. And then you, you set goals to get there and uh, change, like in a lot of cases, change a part of your life that right. may not be going on the right track. Like you said, like, like to your daughter, like mm-hmm. right, you want to, you want to be married here. Is this path going to take you there and make it a, a good, happy marriage? Yeah. Like, is that path taking you there? And asking yourself that question is probably really, really healthy. It's, it, yeah. And it's, but it's tough. Like you said, I think a lot of things too, we don't document along the way. I, I believe what gets measured gets done. So if you want to lose weight. You got to weigh yourself. Yeah. It's hard to measure what you just said. How do I measure if I'm spending too much time working and not enough time with my family? So I, years ago, the guy that started Promise Keepers, he was actually a football coach at the University of Colorado. His name is, uh, last name is, they call him Coach Mack. But anyway, he, uh, he said, wherever you spend your time and your money, that's your real priority. You can tell yourself it's your family. You can tell yourself it's your faith. But calculate how much time you spend your time at work and what you spend your money. That's your real priority. Mm. So he was talking to a lot of men, a lot of men hunting, fishing, golfing, hanging out with those guys, watching the game. Wasn't a lot of time spent with family. So I started writing down, like I drive them to school, it's 45 minutes. It's years ago when I do this with them. I play catch with Taylor. I do. So I was, I try to be intentional on spending time. So, so one thing we do in January, we talked about earlier, is we Taylor, Tanika and I take two vacations a year, just us. Uh, if we don't have any money, we go somewhere in town. We do a staycation, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Taylor and I, well, Taylor will get to one by herself and, and two of the family. So we do two family vacations a year with the whole family. That's intentional. In my mind, I'm spending one whole week with y'all. And I really do it 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. I calculate the time I spend. Because during football season, I can't spend a lot of time with them. I'm, I'm busy, 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 busy. So I believe what gets measured gets done. And, and as you were saying earlier, we have to match our life with our beliefs. And so when we talk with coaches, we ask the question, are you a Christian that's a coach or a coach that happens to be a Christian? Because sometimes you can say, I'm a coach, but I'm a, I'm a Christian too, but they don't have anything to do with each other. Right. Or I'm a plumber and I'm a Christian, but they, I'm a Christian on Sunday. I'm not a bad person, but what does plumbing have to do? Everything. Yeah. God may have you go to a house to fix a, fix a leak to a woman who needs prayer. And, and you, know, you don't have to pray for it right there if you don't feel comfortable, but you need to know she's hurting. It's my job as a believer to pray for her. Yeah. So my beliefs and my life should match up. Yeah. You know, and, and you're right. A lot of times that's not the case, but it makes things easier because you know what you stand for. I had two friends. And uh, again, not judging them, but we have certain standards in our home. A friend of mine, he was been dating this girl for years. They have a family together. He's a head football coach. She's, in a, she's a principal, very professional, great people. But they weren't married. And they were coming to visit us. 
and I got them a hotel. I paid for it. And they were like, why can't we just stay at your house? I said, guys, I'm not judging you, but you're not married. And I don't want my children to see people who are not married living together. I don't want them to think that that's okay. Now, for y'all, y'all are grown. You do what you want to do. But I don't want my daughter to think I'm 18. I'm in college. My boyfriend's 22. He got an apartment. I could probably save money if I stay with him. Because I want her to think that I don't need to stay with someone unless they're my spouse. All right? So I said, I'm not judging you. And I said, I've done, I mean, Tanika didn't live together, but I stayed in the house with a girl. We didn't live together. I had a dorm. I stayed the night with her before. So I said, I'm being hypocritical, but I know what the standard is. Yeah. So because I don't match the standard, I don't mean I change the standard. And so my beliefs and my life should match up. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but once you realize this is what I stand for, I'm not wavering, it helps you get to that end goal. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's super tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it goes back to your treasure is where your heart is. Um, I'm, I'm curious to where all those, uh, where everything added up after you kind of did the math. Um, <laughs> Football won. <laughs> like it, wasn't, it wasn't even close. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even close. Like so, I wrote a book, shameless plug number four thirty three. <laughs> I wrote a book called "Transforming Your Life from Good to Great: Daily Nuggets of Wisdom." In that book, I talk about that process and how I got there. And how I was not spending, like I would say, faith, family, football. Those are my priorities. My faith comes first. And then my family, no, it was football, 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 family, faith, football, football. It wasn't even close because yeah. I wanted to be a head football coach so bad. So I was at every clinic. I would go to every talk to every coach. I would sit down. I would watch football on TV. I would get VHS tapes back in the day. See how old I am. Mm -hmm. I would take notes. I had these notebooks and notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of notes. I would apply for jobs. I would read books. Every successful coach, I read their book. I wasn't reading books on relationships. I really wasn't reading books on how to be a better husband. I had stopped doing a devotion with my wife. Me and my wife used to get up in the morning, walk, sit down, do a devotion together. I was too busy. I couldn't do that anymore. I would sit down with my daughter, read a little Bible stories every night. I was too busy. So I wasn't a heathen, you know, but I was because my hours were spent doing something that was supposed to give God glory, but it had took the place of my family. So my family is my first ministry. I was neglecting them. So my wife started this, and, and, and I've added to it. But this morning, I took my kids to school. When we get in the car, Kenneth prays every morning. Hmm. Lord, bless our day. Be with us. And hopefully, prays for a classmate or family member as well. Then Taylor reads a Bible verse or does a Bible verse for memory. So when I was their age, I knew the 23rd Psalm by heart. I knew the 100th Psalm by heart. I had it memorized. I want them to have those same values to know. So every morning when we get in the car, usually when doing football season, I tell my wife takes them to school. Right now I'm taking them to school. They, they, and it's beautiful to hear them pray. And I don't have to say, Katie, pray. He gets the end, close the door, starts praying as I'm backing out of the driveway. Then Taylor does her That's awesome. devotion. Yeah. Well, th those are just, even if it's not genuine, I'm not feeling it today. We're going to do it anyway, you know, because it works. You know, so um, yeah, uh, Brooks, Football one was not even one even close, <laughs> but I'm doing much better. Yeah. Yeah. Take, well, kind of going back to what you're saying about the GPS uh, analogy, um, what I'm hearing is um, setting the goals and reverse engineering it from yes, where we want to get. And it's our compass when we come to a crossroads. I once heard somebody, I was like looking up like how I really, really love like mysteries um, and like mystery books and like TV shows and movies. And somebody was talking about how 
when you go down to write a mystery, you start with the ending. Like you start with how it all pans out and then you go back and unfold one clue at a time um, until there's no clues. And then you go backwards and reveal the whole story. That's cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. Right. yeah. I, I, um, I tell people all the time, start with the end in mind. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of funerals, been to a lot of funerals at the funeral. Everybody's so nice and sweet. Why not be that way the whole time? You know? Mm-hmm. So instead of having regrets, ask yourself, what do I want to, I talked to a guy the other day about his marriage and he was complaining about his wife, which we all can do at time from time to time. And we were going on and on. He was expecting me to say, suck it up, pray. You got this. You know, and I was like, man, leave her. He's like, what? Like, he didn't expect it to come from me. I'm sick of her doing this. I'm sick of her doing that. I'm blah, blah, blah. I said, man, just leave her. I'm sick of it too. I'm sick of you calling me about it. Leave her, bro. Leave her. Go, go online right now. One of them sites. Find Man, I know a girl. That'd be great for you. He was like, it's quiet. I'm like, are you there? He's like, yeah. Like, are you serious? I said, aren't you sick of this? I said, look, let's, let's plan this thing out. Okay, so you need to move all your stuff out. Like, we walk through all these steps. You do this, you got to tell your kids now. You got to look them in the face. Look, leave me your mom. She's getting on my nerves. I'm sick of it. All right? Got to go through this. I said, it's going to take some work. He said, it's going to take some work. Yeah, it's going to take So we kept going through all these steps. Got to meet a new girl. You might have to move. You're going to run to your wife at Walmart, at church. Are you going to change churches? He said, I mean, I ain't thinking about that. Like, he's trying to figure out, is he serious? Because I joke around a lot. So I'm going through, I'm talking really fast. I'm like, and then I do this, and I keep saying the word work. It's going to take a lot of work, man. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be work just moving your stuff out. You got a big TV. You got a dresser. Is that your couch or her couch? Never mind. We'll come back to it. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I said, it's going to take a lot of work, man. It's going to take a lot of work. So you going to meet, meet a new girl. You got to get to meet her. You got to build that trust. got to build that trust. It's going to take time. It's going to take work to build that trust. got to go through it. What about our past? What if she got three or four kids already? What if she's been beat before? She come back. Don't worry about it. It's going to take some work. got to build that trust. I said, then y'all date for a few years, and then one day you'll get married. That's going to take a lot of work. Now, you got to think about it. You got to meet her family. Once you marry her, you marry her friend. I said, man, it's going to take a lot of work. He was like, what are you getting at? I said, since it's going to take a lot of work to get somebody else, why not use all that time and energy and work on the marriage that you have right now? <laughs> it's the same wow. work. Yeah. Just work on the one you already have. And so I say that, that I, same thing Brooks is saying, do it reverse engineering. Like, do you want Christmas with things being awkward with you and her and the kids and this new person? That, no, you don't want that. So just get out of your little tizzy fit. Get over it and realize just going to work on this one. But yeah, I, I think in almost every area. Like I told a kid, this y'all got me talking for real. My barber, <laughs> he was asking me some questions. He's been cutting my hair since he was in the tenth grade. He's thirty three wow. years old. Oh wow! Okay. okay. So even when I moved out of town, when I would come in town, he would cut my hair. Like yeah. he he's he uh he, he's the only one that could cut the way I like it. So it looks simple, but no one else can do it the way he does. <laughs> so his dad is seventy two. His dad's a, a pastor of a really small church that actually got blew away in the storm, so they're meeting on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his dad was a county commissioner for 19 years of a small community in Panama City. And he was asking me all these questions. What about this with a girl? What about this with a career? What about? I said, you got the right model in your house. Do you want to be like him at 72? Man, I never thought of that. I said, so you asked me all these questions, but look at your body right now. Are you, is your body going to look like his at 72? No. I, said, I know it's not. You eat a lot of junk. You don't exercise. Man, you're right. I said, what about your, your biblical knowledge? Are you reading your Bible every day? No. I'm not. So 
if you want to be like him at 72, you got to do what he did at 33. Mm. You know, so if you just look ahead, what do I want? If you want $500,000 in the bank at the age of 50, you got to find out what somebody at, at 50, what did they do when it was your age? Yeah. They probably put some money in the bank and they didn't touch it. You know, they probably live with inside their means instead of getting a house too big, a car too flashy. So I just, I, I think what Brooks said is 100% right. Reverse yeah. engineering and everything. You know, what, what's you, what, start with the end in mind. Yeah. You know, and so if you start with the end in mind, I want to get to my house safe when I leave here. I'm going to put my seatbelt on when I, when I leave. I'm not going to get in a wreck, be in the hospital in a coma and be thinking, uh, if I knew this was going to happen, I would have put my seatbelt on. It could still happen, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do my part right. to make sure it doesn't. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever written a, fr- a fiction, fictional book? I have. I, you I, have? I got a fictional series. Dude, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you would like it, but it's for teenagers. Okay. It's called, well, I got three of them. One of them is called Keisha's Dilemma. Derek's Dilemma and The Ultimate Dilemma. Those are my first three books I wrote. Okay. They're not very good, but the, sto- <laughs> the stories are good, but I don't, yeah. they're not very good. Now it's one called Pasha, is the girl's name, Pasha's Predicament. And then the next one is Primo. He's a Hispanic guy. Primo's cousin in, in, in Spanish. Primo's Predicament. And then the last one is called The Pandemic Predicament. Hmm. When did you write that one? Well, they're all the first three books I wrote. Over 15 years ago, I just rewrote them. Oh, okay. So they're modern. Okay, gotcha. So they talk about the election, and they yeah. talk about the pandemic, and they talk about coronavirus. They talk about Black Lives Matter. They talk. So one girl, uh, the protagonist, Pasha, her best friend is Chloe, and she's white, and they're best friends. And then when this Black Lives Matter stuff come up, like society is pushing them apart, and they're like, "Why can't we still be best friends?" Yeah, you know. So that's one dynamic. It's like a lot of levels, and then it's should I smoke? In the first book, now it's should I vape? You know, it's just check because it's almost yeah. 15 years apart. And then, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all about self-esteem. And she is, she grows up in a Christian household. She dates a bad guy and, and, and against her father's wishes. And she has a pregnancy scare. It's like real issues right. for kids. And mm-hmm. then ultimately, I'm going to tell you this, um, Primo becomes a youth pastor. But it takes three books to get in there. So he works at a uh, like a boys club and he starts mentoring these boys and he can see what the end result's going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Good segue. Brooks, you didn't even know that. He can <laughs> see it. Right. And it burns him up. That he's like, this guy's doing, I was the same guy. I was hanging out on the corner every night. I was hanging out with grown men. I should have been in school. He's going to end up this and something bad happens to a kid. And he knew he could have saved him, mm-hmm. but he felt like I'm not a preacher. I'm not a counselor. I can, I'm a hypocrite. I can't go tell him. So then he said, no, I'm not going to let this happen again. So he tries to save everybody in his community. You know, that's 15. He's like, he's older now. And he ends up doing that. And he's very involved in the church. And uh, one, one of the characters die. And that really wakes him up. And then his faith grows. And he becomes like a youth minister hmm. uh, in this very urban neighborhood. And he's, he's not like, everybody says he's not like any preacher we've ever seen. He doesn't wear a suit, you know. He has a cool car, you know, and he comes over here blasting Lecrae, blasting this Christian hip hop music, and he loves the community. He doesn't judge them. Yeah. And so he has a, he ends up building these relationships with like three or four boys and they become him. Yeah. You know, and then they grow up to say, you don't know what you meant to me. I wanted to be like you. I never saw a man love his wife. I never saw a man, you know, that they were watching. Like it's a, it's a scene in the book where they're eating. He's taking them out to eat and the waitress is hot and they're all like, He's gonna look. He's gonna look. He's gonna. 
he never looks. He treats her with respect. And they get in the car like, man, what's wrong with you? You don't like women? He's like, I got a woman at the house. She bad. She's super fine. So I ain't got to look at her. I can look at mine at home. And they had never thought of that. Yeah. They're like, well, just because you're mad, you can't, you can't like flirt with her? He's like, no. And he gives them little analogies. If you was signed to Nike, would you flirt with Adidas and wear their shoes? No. If you work at McDonald's, you can't walk in with a Whopper. Can you? You got to <laughs> learn to be loyal. So he teaches them all these lessons as life is going That's on. Cool. And then they grow up and they become a replica of him. You know, and so... It's, it's fun, but it's fiction. Yeah. It's fiction. They no, go, I, I love that. Yeah, they go to awesome. the thing yeah, on Amazon school. too. Yeah, uh, Predicaments on Amazon now, but the other two won't be finished. I'm writing a book called Who Was Hawk Masalina? Who was what? Hawk Masalina. And, and we, it's 11 o'clock, so Brooks, you got to go. But listen to this really quick. It's going to take me two minutes. Okay. The guy <laughs> who discovered Panama City name was George Mortimer West. He gave Panama City his name. He named the streets. He did it all. He's from up north. Born in New York, lived in Wisconsin, lived in Chicago. George Mortimer West, white guy, discovered Panama City. His best friend was a black guy named Narcisco Hawk Masalina. That's my great-grandfather. Hawk was the first black man to, his family was the first black family to settle in Bay County. Wow. All right. I write about their friendship in a children's book and about how they never saw their skin color. They just loved each other. Hmm. And they fished together, they hunted together, and it was against racism. And they were, it's, it's, and it's a beautiful story. So I stopped writing those other two books, Brooke, to focus on Hawk's book, because I found a lady found a diary that George wrote almost 200 years ago, the actual wow. diary. Wow, that's and awesome. And I met with her, and it was so exciting. I had to stop writing the other books. Yeah. So I, I'm right, I'm finished this book. And I have the actual diary entries where he wrote, and, and Hawk. Wow was in the Civil War, he fought for the Confederacy, I mean, for the Confederacy and the Union. He fought for both sides. Like, it's an amazing story. Wow. So I stopped writing the other books that's to write a, that book. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, wow. it's, so cool. It's, so when is that coming out? ASAP. Like, I'm waiting for the guy. I forgot to put my name on the cover because the cover was done, but it didn't say the author's name. Yeah. So I had to send it back. He's doing that now. It, it was edited last night. It gets sent to Amazon for a proof probably this week. Oh, wow. So it'll wow. definitely be out uh, uh, about, a first of the, about the middle of the year or so. Oh, that's okay. awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that one. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely want to read that soon, as soon as it comes out. And it's, and it's short. It's a kid's book. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not long, but it's just nuggets. It's just like, wow, 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 wow. Like, yeah. it's like this blow, all these aha moments over and over and over again. And like, I feel when I leave here, I'm going to a civil rights uh, uh, historical marker because mm-hmm. that's where Hart was in the civil rights. Mm. They said it's where they fought at. Yeah. I'm trying to find it on my way home is what I'm going to do. Okay. But George Mortimer West bought the first house on Beach Drive, which is in Panama City. He Not the first house, but he bought a house and built onto it. And, and the house is still there. Oh, that's so cool. So I want to go see it. When I'm that is so cool. That's awesome, man. And this is going to sound cheesy, but just Google my name. Willie Spears. Like Willie Nelson and Britney Spears. Okay. My two cousins, <laughs> I wish. But uh, yeah, just Willie Spears. Or go to williespears.com. Okay. And uh, my wife does our website. She does an excellent job. And Great. We, we just want to encourage people. And all of our resources, that's the goal, to add yeah. value to your life. That's, that's awesome. our only goal. That's it. Yeah. And so, yeah, Willie Spears, williespears.com. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Yeah. Loved it. Hey, thank you for joining in today for part two. If you're interested in reading any of Willie's books, you can find them at williespears.com, or you can also find them on Amazon. I hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll catch you in the next one. And until then, stay fresh.